Hey, dear listeners, today's guest is the marvelous Tia Mowry. I first met Tia on the set of The Hot Chick, and we had the best time together. It all came rushing back, and I had the best time catching up after so many years and so many life changes. Later in the episode, my co-host April Beyer and I offer some qualified and unqualified advice to a caller trying to start a new life. At the end of the episode, we have a great follow-up to the call. I also want to remind you that the official Deal Breakers game is out. Get Deal Breakers wherever books are sold or by following the link in the show notes. All right, on to the show. Here's Tia Mowry. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Unqualified with your host, Anna Ferris. Wow, it's been forever! Tia, I am so happy to see you. Truly, I've been looking forward to doing this with you for a long time. How are you? How is everything? Everything is good. It's crazy how the last time we had seen each other, none of us had kids. I know, we like had to grow up. How has the last year been for you guys? It's been rough. You know, we've had our ups and our downs. There was just a lot of adjusting. And I will say, I'm pretty good at adjusting, right? My parents, they were in the army, so we would move all over the place. Yes. I really think that that was helpful with my upbringing. And then I was like, okay, the toolbox that I usually use to survive, we can't use that right now. Let's just start adapting. And that took a minute. I'm not saying that it was easy. I mean, my son Cree, he had his moments of feeling overwhelmed. And have you seen that movie Groundhog Day? Yes, I love that movie. It's a fantastic movie. <laughs> it is. But it's like the same thing every single day. And he would cry, mommy, wake up in the morning and everything's the same. I know. I'm now starting to feel a little bit differently, but like time melted. Yes. But Tia, I was thinking about our experience with the hot chick the other day because, of course, I knew I was talking to you. Oh, my God. I have a couple of memories that I wanted to bring up to you, but I wanted to know some of yours. When you think about making the hot chick, which was, when did we do that? It had to have been what? Was it 2000? I wasn't even married yet. Maybe 2001, 2002? 2002. Oh, man. We were high school cheerleaders. I know. You know, the one thing that I remember that stood out to me, because this was the first feature film that I had ever done, and I had auditioned for it. My sister and I, we were in a room with Rob Schneider, and he had just told us to just go for it and to just have a lot of fun. We did like this cheer, and we ended up booking it. And I was just so nervous. You know, I'm coming off of Sister Sister doing a television show, but I was just so nervous to do a feature film because I knew it was different. And then we were so excited to work with you. And, you know, you never know how people are going to be. And we were just so incredibly excited that you were so kind. Like, you were so nice. You were so funny. You would just sit down and just chat with us. Do you remember going to that big gymnasium where we had to practice the cheers and all that? <laughs> I remember. So before we started shooting, we had cheer camp, camp. Yep. which was a completely new experience for me, I was like the complete opposite of a cheerleader in high school. 
So the whole cheerleading experience I viewed with, like, immature cynicism. Oh. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Like, the little Seattle grunge girl was still in me. But I loved that experience so much. For the first time, I felt like such a camaraderie with all of the girls in the cast. Yeah. And you guys, I think you and your sister were so much of the glue for us. In terms of, like, morale, keeping our spirits up with, like, the long hours and the different temperaments. Yeah. And for a cast of a lot of young women, I don't really remember any cattiness or anything. No. And that cheer camp was so hard and so fun. I mean, that's what I— It was hard. It was very hard. (gasps) Girl, they had— Cinnamon rolls. (laughs) Yes, cinnamon rolls! (laughs) (laughs) For our listeners who maybe don't cheer, cinnamon rolls is how you make your fist with deliberation. Yes. But it was really fun and... I just remember laughing so much mm-hmm. with you guys. We mm-hmm. had some harder days, though, for sure. And I wish I could tell everybody everything. <laughs> Girl! <laughs> but I love it that that experience was, I mean, I'm still really close with Alex. Really? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <gasps> yeah. No way. That's so cool. We tried to keep up with Megan. I feel like my sister, she stayed connected with her long. But we stayed friends with her for a minute. When I say a minute, I want to say like just in the past, maybe seven years, I kind of dropped off. But maybe that's with the kids and stuff. I don't know. But that's so cool, Alex. Yeah, I saw Rachel McAdams took Megan to some glitzy thing. I think like the Golden Globes or something. And this was just a couple years ago. And it was just so wonderful to see them. And I just have a lot of fond memories when I think about, like, my first kind of girl group experience in that way and how positive it was. And I truly credit you and your sister with, like, I think you guys did set the table in a wonderful way. Thank you. To make that experience so great. Boys are cheats and liars. Oh, yeah! Boys are cheats and liars. They're such a big disgrace. Oh, disgrace. Yeah. No, no, you're right. You're right. They will tell you anything Anything to get get to to second second base. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Wow. That was, like I said, such a great, great experience. And I know that you're saying you credit my sister and I, but I credit you to, like I said, just being so kind and warm because we were nervous about what the atmosphere would be like, too. Like you said, with just so many girls, like you just never know. Let's keep it real. Girls could be catty at times. And I just remember being on that in that gymnasium and then us looking at People magazine. I remember somebody had a huge breakup. I remember all of the girls were chatting about that. We were like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe they broke up. I can't even guess who that was. It'll probably come to us in like the middle of the night. But that was our dynamic. We were just chilling and having a great time. And I was just so excited and grateful for the opportunity. So I was listening to a podcast you did, but you said something that I totally associate with you. You said you can't let your ego get in the way. And I remember when I met you both, you both were bigger stars than any of the other girls by far. And just as you are, appreciative and humble. And it is a remarkable quality in you. 
Do you credit somebody in your life with sort of that kind of humility? Yeah, I really appreciate you recognizing and seeing that and even asking the question because you just don't become who you are without some sort of guidance. And I credit my parents. I credit my mom and I credit my dad. My parents were in the army. So my mother was a drill sergeant. And you were born in Germany. I was born in Germany. That's where my parents were stationed at the time. And it was West and East back then. But my parents, they've instilled in all of their children the importance of character and the importance of integrity, the importance of leaving this earth with purpose and meaning. So they were never really phased by our success. (laughs) my mom and my dad they were like okay you guys are on a very popular show great but i mean more than that it was like iconic you had rabid fans my sister and i we could not go anywhere without a security guard like we would have a security guard that would have to check our hotel rooms because people would stalk us we had this one time we were in new york And all of a sudden, I don't know if it was a group of kids that were coming off of a school bus or what, but the only thing we remember, they chased after us and we had to hide in this pharmacy area. We literally had to run, duck and hide. We had escaped our bodyguard then. And our bodyguard, and Boo, if you listening, Boo, what's up? Boo was his name. (laughs) And Tamir and I, we were like, we just want to be normal. So we had snuck out and bad decision. But it gave you guys... For sure, a window into that outside life where people want to see you guys. They want to hug you. (laughs) When we would go to Disneyland, we would always have a bodyguard too. Because you know how toddlers hang at your legs, you know, when you're like walking. Kids would do that to my sister and I. When we were at Disneyland, they would literally want to touch and hug and like just hang all over us. And when we're kind of like, okay, all right, we got to go. They're literally grabbing onto us so tight. They didn't want to let us go. But you know, like you said, I never saw it like that when we went to your set. I was like, oh my gosh, you know what I mean? We're doing a movie. We're going to be at Oh my God, this is crazy. But I believe that we had that mentality because our parents treated us like normal kids and normal children. Like clean your room. Do our chores. Do your homework. Yeah. I think that fame can definitely distill great qualities in one's personality and then the narcissistic, Mm -hmm. like, self-importance gets so nurtured. I just remember being really impressed, sounds patronizing, (laughs) but that you both were so in your enthusiasm and your Mm -hmm. gratitude. It just was remarkable to me. So I just love you so much and your sister and your parents. (laughs) Uh, Thank you. Like I said, they are what gave me that perspective. Like my mother would tell us, yeah, you're in these limos. This isn't going to be this way all the time. Acting is great and it's wonderful, but it's not who you are as a person. Yeah. Let's work on who you are as a person. And that's what my parents did. Tia, have you ever written a fan letter? Oh, that's a really good question. I feel like I have. The reason why I'm interested in exploring this idea is my mom didn't really encourage me being a fan of anything. Oh, wow. 
Like, I didn't have any posters on my wall. Like, she really wanted to keep me protected. Like, she has a whole thing about Pretty Woman and the movie Grease. I wasn't allowed to, like, read any teen no magazines. No way! Yeah. Why? I think she felt they were inherently kind of misogynistic. She didn't oh. want my worldview to be comparison like that. Got it. I see. Which I appreciate. I think she took it a little bit to the extreme because it was hard to make friends. Friends because I didn't know any popular groups. Yeah. Whitney Houston and Cindy Lauper were like, that's what I had. I may not have written somebody, but I'm a fan of several people. One in general, Angelina Jolie. I remember meeting her for the first time and I was like, bleh, 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 bleh. I couldn't even talk. And she was just so kind. She was so nice. And then again, that humility. I was like, hi, my name is Tia. And she was like, oh, I know who you are. I was like, what? Wait, what? You know who I am? And she was like, yes, you have a twin sister, right? And like, you know, she has twins. So there was that kind of connection there. Tia, wait, I have to tell you my Angelina Jolie evening. <gasps> yes. I was up in Toronto and I found myself at this dinner sitting next to Angelina. It was like seeing a unicorn. You know, like, this is a stunning... Her skin. Oh, my God. Everything. It... She's beautiful. It certainly wasn't like, oh, well, she's just human. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's my experience as well. She was so beautiful. She was so beautiful. And I had no idea what to say to her. And for a minute, it was just the two of us. <gasps> and she said, so what kind of roles do you want to play? She said, because I'm writing for women now. <gasps> but I don't think that was it at all. I think she was just making like, the script hasn't come in yet, Tia. <laughs> <laughs> I blurted out, I think I really want to play asexual characters. <laughs> like, and I look back on that and I think, is that because there's like sort of sensuality <laughs> emanating? Yep. So maybe I was like, I can't compete. I don't know what to do. <laughs> she does that to you. Like, and she's so, again, what's so shocking is she's so humble. And I did say that too. I was like, she looked me in my eye. She was actually like talking to me, you know? So she's incredible. Yeah. It was like a dreamy sequence yeah. for me. Same here. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> Tia, what talent or ability would you most like to have? I would love to be musically inclined. Like, I'm so in awe of the geniuses that can play so many instruments. My brain just doesn't go there. Like, for some reason, it just not, I'm like, huh? Like, I can't do it. But I would love to be able to play. Me too. I would love to be able to play guitar and right? sing, like, <laughs> campfire songs. I know, there's just something about music, what it does to the soul and to the spirit. Okay, Tia, do you have a favorite movie that you could watch over and over? Yes, and that is Goonies. I absolutely love Goonies. Hey, you guys. guys. It's very nostalgic for me, you know? I grew up watching it. And I think that there's that really kind of wonderful combination of like kid loneliness and frustration a little bit within a group of friends that is captured. And of course, like the underground adventures. Yeah. Okay, Tia, do you collect anything? I've just started to collect crystals. One of my really good friends, Adrian, she introduced me to crystals and sage and palisantos and just all of that. And so 
I need to educate myself a little more about the meaning behind them. I'm like, they're just so pretty. (laughs) So do you believe in them having some sort of power? Yeah, I truly believe in energy. And I've always been fascinated with energy. Are you good at reading people? Mm -hmm. I don't think I'm a great judge of character immediately. Oh, yes. See, that is a gift that I have had. Oh my God, I'm so envious and I want to know like what you think about some people in my life. (laughs) I'll be like, girl, uh uh-uh, you need to get rid of that. Nope, 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 that's not good for you. Next, oh, this one's great for you. No, I can feel energy. I could see energy. I could even see aura. I believe it's a gift, but I'm also an empath. I'm very entombed, should I say. And maybe that could be a reason why I'm able to pick up energy Well, I think that you do approach people with this openness that Mm -hmm. has strength behind it. Mm -hmm. And so you're like, all right, here I am. I'm ready to Mm -hmm. like accept Mm -hmm. you. Yeah. I'm obsessed with why people behave the way they behave. And so I've been wondering, like, why am I even that way? There has to be some sort of childhood history or something that's made me have this open, non-judgmental point of view and empathetic point of view towards people and just unconditional love and embracing people. I don't know if maybe I need to talk to my therapist about this, (laughs) but I don't know. Maybe it's because I was a child actor and as a child actor, you're so judged. You know what I mean? As soon as you stand on that little tape, you have all of these people watching you and judging you and saying, do it this way. And then sometimes there's like those moments when they don't think you can hear them. Yes. You get like those little searing Mm -hmm. comments, whether positive or negative, Mm -hmm. then that kind of thing doesn't happen to kids normally. Like whether it's about your looks or your line delivery or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. the high critique. And the critique is something also sometimes that you can't change. Right. So how does that make you feel as a person? You know what I mean? Completely. So I don't know if that's why I'm so open and non-judgmental and empathetic. I'm not great at picking up the small clues. Mm, I see. Yes. I always, and maybe, I don't know, maybe I can thank Oprah. (laughs) I remember she said this. She would say this on her show over and over and over again. Trust your gut. Trust your instincts. And it's amazing how when you do that, it'll get you out of circumstances you were in that you didn't want to be in. And she would say this all the time and she would use it in different scenarios. And at a young age, I've just learned to not second guess your gut and what you're feeling. Yeah. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Our podcast, we talk a lot about relationships. Okay. I want to, if you don't mind, talk about, have you had your heart broken? Oh, yes, girl. Yes, I have. So I didn't date a lot. I would say I was maybe about 20. I told you, my parents, military, we couldn't date until we were 18. 
So it just wasn't a part of my young adulthood, should I say. But once I got the go, I did end up dating this one person. And he was the only person that I ever dated because my next person that I got into a relationship is my husband. I love that, Tia, by the way. Ah, thank you. (laughs) I am that kind of person, too. Like, I like commitment. I like marriage. I like, you know. Yes. My dating experience is so limited as well. Yeah. So I was, you know, dating this person and it just didn't go well. He just wasn't honest. I remember he had called and told me that he had cheated on me. Like, that's what this person said. They called and told me that they had cheated on me. Had you suspected? No, no. I'm young. I'm naive. You know what I mean? And I didn't really see this person a lot because this person didn't live in L.A., We dated maybe like in a six month span and I saw this person three times. So this is what I'm saying. This was like. So him telling you this over the phone was almost like I need attention. Yeah. Like how hurt are you going to be by this? Like it was so weird, Anna. It was so weird. I was like, why are you telling me this? You want to know what he said? What? That's how you know I love you because I'm telling you. (laughs) Oh, my God. Ah, Right. But, you know, thank God I just didn't have, you know, time for it. I was like, well, you know what? I appreciate you telling me that. But deuces. (laughs) (laughs) And this person like kept on trying to get back with me, trying to, you know, be with me. But my heart was broken, though. I was hurt because it was the first time I had feelings for someone. And then, you know, they cheated on me. I was hurt for a minute. But thank God I ended up getting into a relationship with my husband and we've been together for, it'll be 22 years and then married 13 years, April 20th. I know, I know. Oh my God. Wow. When I did, oh my God, wait, when I did the hot chick, I had just broken up with that person. I do have some kind of vague memory of either being in the hair and makeup room with you or dressing you down at Manhattan Studios. Mm -hmm. I do remember that. So how did you and your husband meet? We met on a movie. So I had got offered to do this movie. It was terrible, by the way. Don't ever look it up. I don't even think it even came out. It's somewhere hiding in the archives in Europe somewhere. It was called Hollywood Horror. And we met on set. I had just gotten out of this relationship. So I was heartbroken. And there he was, Corey Hardrick. And I remember when I first met him, he was in Birkenstocks. Do you know what those are? <laughs> yes, of course. I'm from Seattle. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. But I'm not from Seattle. <laughs> and I saw, a, <laughs> I saw a brother in Birkenstocks. And I was like, oh, my God. What is this? Who is this? <laughs> but anyway, long story short, we became friends. He sounds perfect, by uh, the way. <laughs> he's amazing. He had just walked by. But we met. We hung out. We were friends for a year. We courted each other for a year because I didn't want to play any games. You know what I mean? I was like, uh, uh-uh. you know, I knew what I wanted. Just like you said, I love commitment. I wanted to be married. I wanted to have a family, even though I'm young, but I knew what I wanted. And we just hit it off. And here we are. So Tia, what advice can you give our listeners in terms of like conflict resolution, in terms of keeping like a beautiful friendship? Tell us all your secrets, Tia. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I feel like when you live in your truth and when you live in 
what makes you happy and who you are as a person, and you don't let anybody alter or change that perspective of what you want, I feel like you'll find yourself in a situation where you're happy. Oh my God, I think that's a beautiful thing to say to you. <laughs> it feels very applicable oh. to all of us, but to me especially, I think right now, like stay on target. Yeah, <laughs> stay on target. Stay true to who you are. Stay true to what moves and guides you. Don't be distracted by what someone else is telling you what your life should be because then you start living someone else's life. And then by the time you realize you're unhappy, you're like so far deep into it that you don't know how to get out. So I go by the beat of my own drum. I just follow whatever makes me happy. And that's not up for debate because I have to deal with it. I have to deal with the choices that I have to make. You're not going to be dealing with it. You can give me all of your opinions all you want. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yes. It's a beautiful and strong message of life. I love it. Tia, I want to ask you, what is a trait you dislike in others? I do not like when people treat others differently because of the color of their skin when people treat differently because of who they love, and when people treat people differently because of their social economical status. It's just something that I just, I don't understand. How do you, like with your kids, structure that a little bit? I teach them about unconditional love. It's something that I've always embedded in my children, that love is beautiful and it's great, but love doesn't always have to be earned. We should just be able to love someone because we are one in the same. We are the human race. Why can't we just have unity when it comes to that? And I just feel like we are just so far long gone and lost when it comes to people putting people in groups. Any categorization. Yes. Why can't we just all be and be of the human race? and love one another just because we all bleed red. You know what I mean? 100%. Mm -hmm. What is a trait you dislike in yourself? Oh my God. I feel like my strength can sometimes be my weakness. I am an empath and I'm always considerate of others and I'm very forgiving. And if that gets in the hands of somebody who will take advantage of you, then it's not healthy and it's not a great situation. And unfortunately, I have found myself in those situations. But one thing that I have learned with my therapist is I'm not going to have someone change me and who I am as a person just because they don't know how to handle it or they don't know how to deal with it. I'm just going to remove myself from that situation and I have to be true to who I am. And I'm not going to change and become bitter and become angry because someone screwed me over. It just means that I'm just no longer going to deal with your energy. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So, Tia, yes. we have this game that just came out called Deal Breakers, and I want to play a modified version with you. Okay. Let's imagine that you're on your first date. Okay. So here are some deal breakers. Okay. They proudly state that they've never read a book. No, that's a deal breaker. Like if you've never picked up and read a book, I'm trying to figure out what type of person are you? 
That was a funny one because we stated it proudly. <laughs> okay, what about this? Okay. First date, they insist on feeding you a bite of everything that tastes good. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I'm down with that yeah, too. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah. I'm into that. That feels like it's kind of intimate. Yeah. And they want to share like pleasure with you. Yeah, that's cool. I'm with you. Okay, they talk trash about their ex. Wait, so this isn't on a first date though. So this is just, they just talk trash about their ex? There are a lot of other scenarios. Like you've been dating for three months. You're about to meet their parents. You're about to have sex for the first time. That's kind of what makes the game fun. But for now, let's say this is still on your first date. I think that's a deal breaker. I don't think that you should be bringing in someone else within your relationship on your first date because you don't want to be with somebody who's still in the past. You know what I mean? Talking about their ex like that. You want to be with somebody, especially on your first date, and they're just focusing on you. And it just seems like it'll be a prerequisite of what might end up happening in the relationship. (laughs) I'm totally with you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Okay, you learned that they rented an expensive sports car for your first No! Date. Deal breaker! Because why are you doing that? You're renting it. You're trying to impress me in all the wrong ways. No, impress me with opening up the door. Impress me with... Tia can't be bought. No, I can't be bought. No, not with material things. Impress me with the type of person that you are, not what you have. You find a huge porn collection in their closet. Maybe you've been dating for three months. You know, this is where dating, I don't have great experience with because I don't want to come off as if that happens, you know, how somebody could be in a relationship. Like, what does that mean? You know, I mean, I don't know how I would. I'm with you, too, because my experience is limited as well. So personally, out of touch with whatever the norm may be. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I don't know how that affects a relationship. I think it would make me feel insecure. I think that would be the first thing mm, that would... Yeah, because it's like, why do you need that? I'm not enough, you know, for you to get off on? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think that knowing myself the littlest bit, I'm pretty sure that's the feeling it would evoke in me. Then my pride wouldn't let me ask about it, really. <laughs> mm, I see. Girl, I would be like, what the hell is this? You know? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I don't know. I mean, if it's insinuating that this person has an addiction with sex, then I don't know if I could deal with that. Some people can, but I know that that's not baggage that I could personally deal with. They have a waterbed. Oh my 
God, that is hilarious. <laughs> Definitely not a deal breaker. I think that's cool. <laughs> we were friends with someone that had a waterbed growing up, and they were so fun. They're fun when you're like nine. Yeah, of course. Yeah. You find out they have an identical twin. First date. It would be different if you found out after a year. That's cool. That's fine. I think that's great because then they'll really understand what it's like being a twin. <laughs> Which is something I wanted to ask you. Tia, when I was growing up, I was envious of twins. I knew that I never wanted twins because I felt like they would have control over me. That their <laughs> minds would melt and I wouldn't have the same influence that I could have because they're this unit. Mm-hmm. Like, is there a bond? Yes. This is how I explain it when you're a twin. It goes so deep. You were created in the womb together. You grew together. Your cells were dividing. I would imagine that getting treated by society in very similar ways, because we are formed by how people treat us. Mm -hmm. So to have that as very much a commonality, I would imagine makes you very similar in some ways. Your outlook similar, perhaps? I don't know. Tia, tell me. No, yeah. So, I mean, being a twin is very complex, mainly because you have this union and this bond that is innate. It's something that just, it's a part of you. But then at the same time, as you get older, you're fighting for your individuality because so many people are pinning you together because you look alike, you should talk alike, you should act alike, you should be alike, your life should be alike. And then you start to grow up and think that. Like, I remember when Tamir and I, when we started to grow up and to become our own individual people, we used to be hurt and judge one another. Like, how could you like that? Or, and I don't like that. You believe in that? Oh, fascinating. Oh, yeah. And Tia, did you guys go through thinking about who came out first and noting like that being like an identifier? Well, yes, because so my sister, she's older. But then again, society puts on you. Well, and then if you're the, the older twin, then you should be the one acting older, you know. And Tamara and I, we had to respect each other's differences. This healthy perspective was we started to look at each other like the yin and the yang. They're two separate things, but they're both equally amazing and wonderful. And then when you put that together, then you have this very strong, powerful force. But that had to take a lot of trial and error. But then also twins, they have this crazy bond that's unexplainable. And I was just thinking, like, when I catch up with my friends or whatever, nobody asks me how my brother is. That's so true. Yes. And they always go, how's your sister doing? And it got so bad that I would be at the grocery store just doing errands. And they go, where's your sister? Like, as if we always have to be together. It's just something that twins go through, and it's something that you have to fight for your individuality as you get older. So when you ask the question, if he says that he's a twin, I'm like, yeah, bring it on, because you don't have to explain this. He'll get it. <laughs> See, and that's the power I was worried about losing, though. <laughs> okay, last one. They have a 14-foot python roaming free in their apartment. Hell no! No, 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 no. Deal breaker. Not only is that thing so dangerous, I've been told that they smell. Snakes smell. Oh, Tia, I grew up with snakes. We almost had enough reptiles. We were almost at the point where we could charge people two bucks to come in and hold a boa constrictor. And they smell? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, see? <laughs> it's awful. So my brother takes my son to the pet store and gets him a small boa constrictor. This was two years ago. 
This boa constrictor is nasty. It bites, which is whatever. It's a snake. I don't think they can really have personality traits like <laughs> friendly. <gasps> but it's apparently it can live till it's 40 and grow up to 12 feet. Hell no. This particular kind. I'm so annoyed with my brother. Don't you think that that is like, what should my anger level be? Girl, my brother, he had a roommate that had a big snake. He's like, yeah, Tia, this thing is sizing me up. I'm like, oh, hell no. No, 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 no. No, girl. Deal breaker. (laughs) (laughs) What was the best advice you've ever been given? You know, this was the best advice that was given to me. And I feel like I've even built my life around it in my adult years. It was given to me before I was a mother, but then I understood it after I became a mother. And it was a quote, how can the goose lay the egg if the goose does not take care of herself? And I've built my whole life around this. And I break it down like this. How can you be the best mom, be the best wife, be the best entrepreneur, be the best anybody, be the best friend, if you don't fill up your cup? And it's great advice for me because of me being an empath. I'm always giving, 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 giving. And then at the end of the day, you realize, damn, my cup is empty. What do I have for myself? And I started to look at it as it's not selfish if you say, you know what? I need some me time. Because when you're doing that, you're being true to who you are. And then you become filled that you are able to give. And then it's just that nice kind of circle that you have going on instead of it ending up in a dead end. It's easy to become resentful. How can you not if you're giving and there isn't much getting? Mm -hmm. Yep. But then when you fill up your own cup, when you put that responsibility on you, then it's amazing how you just start to feel just well-rounded. And so that was the best advice that was given to me. And again, I apply it to pretty much everything. And I'm not going to dwell on whether or not this is unreasonable. No. What did I say at the beginning of this? It's not debatable. You are the only one that lives in your body. So you have to cater to it. You have to take care of you. And if nobody understands that, then block. No. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What advice would you give to your younger self? Oh, gosh. The advice that I would give to my younger self is to don't worry so much. You know, especially being a young actor and a child star. It is an odd thing to have a job understanding that the job will come to an end and then I will be unemployed. It's true. (laughs) And living with being comfortable sort of with that. So, yeah, I think that has taught us something. And you having that from a very young age, it's like this roller coaster of stress that becomes normal to us. But I think it speaks to what you're saying, though, about these worries that kids your age didn't have. No, they didn't. But having lived through this for, you know, 25 years, I suppose, I couldn't imagine trying to absorb that as a young teen. And and then we go through a lot. You know what I mean? Like you're worried about that, what we just talked about, about getting another job. And then you have the societal pressures of growing up in front of everyone. We all change. And, you know, there's a lot of bullying, people not being kind. 
So I would worry a lot, but I would tell myself, you got this. Believe in you. You are equipped to do this. You got it. And I feel like I would have enjoyed more moments if I would have told myself that. 100%. I feel like I've had my foot on the gas of anxiety for a while. And to really step back, I think that that's what this last year has also kind of given to me a little bit, which has been nice. Mm -hmm. I too have bouts of anxiety and I suffer from anxiety. Mm -hmm. But when I have that perspective of what I learned when I was younger, it helps me stay on track. You know, they say when you have anxiety, it's because you're focusing in the past and then you're also focusing in the future and not focusing in the present. So just be present. You know what I mean? And just focus on that. Tia, I love you so much. Thank you. Ah, thank you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A malibu.com, code GLOW. Hey everyone, April Beyer is back, now officially as my much-needed co-host. As you know from previous episodes, April brings great advice, insight, and years of experience. I am so thrilled to have her. All right, let's call Jen. Hi, Jen. How are you? I'm good. How are you? We're great. Well, I didn't mean to speak for April. Hey, Jen. I'm doing great, too. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you guys so much for having me on here. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for writing in to us. Hopefully we can brainstorm together. Will you tell our listeners what's happening? Yeah, so I am a single mom and I find dating really difficult, especially since I don't really have a support system. So anytime I try to tell someone that I have to plan a date in advance or I have to work with them on a schedule as to when I can go out for a date, it kind of turns them off a little bit, kind of gets them to be a little bit apprehensive because they kind of see, well, she's a single mom. She doesn't really have the freedom to be able to drop everything and just kind of do whatever, whenever. So it's one thing for me that I know I'm an asset 
to someone else's life and my son is as well. So it's hard for me to kind of really drive that point home to when I'm trying to make it as light and as fun as possible. And I guess not deter somebody from wanting to go on a date with me. So yeah, I'm just struggling with how do I get that point across with dating somebody and make it not seem so like clinical in a way. Yeah. In your letter, you wrote that you just moved. That is hard too. Yeah, I just moved with my son about six months ago. So I didn't have a support system back home. I don't have any family there except for my parents. And my son's father is not in our lives. So I just decided, well, if I'm going to do this all alone, I might as well live where I'm happiest. So I packed my things up in my car and I drove 2,000 miles and I moved here. I lived with a fellow single mom for a little while. And it's been a huge adjustment, but it's something that I've gotten really excited about especially as parents, I think sometimes we feel like we get stuck in a certain way of life or a certain way of being as a parent. So I felt like I could give my son a better opportunity with life here and I could be happier. You know, I didn't really know anybody moving up here. So it was kind of a gamble. The move was a huge adjustment for me, but I already started before I got up here going on to dating apps and talking to guys, just kind of getting used to the idea of dating here and just meeting new people and trying to branch myself out there and make connections. And as any mom knows, time is really hard to find. So this is kind of a big factor in my dating life. I'm also an exotic dancer. And it's something that I had to go back to, not because I wanted to, but it's something that I was put in a position to where I don't get child support. I want to go back to school. And I have these goals in life that I want to achieve. So I've had to do it. And it's actually gotten to where I tried working here recently and I did not like the way things were done. So I'm actually probably going to have to fly back to Texas once a month to work there if I don't find another job. And that's kind of been a factor when explaining to somebody I'm in a position to where I don't have all this help. I'm trying to get ahead and go back to school so I can better my life, my son. And I'm really trying not to go back to the club, but I'm like, I'm not really making enough to survive right now to get ahead without being stuck. So it's a huge factor with dating, with guys not being comfortable with that. And I totally understand that. But I'm also someone who's like, I'm very secure in myself. I'm not jealous whatsoever. And I'm the kind of person that when I'm at work, I'm there for work. I don't enjoy it. I don't have fun. It's basically just make money and leave. And that's really, really hard in dating. When I explain that to somebody who's, you know, on an app, it's either a turn off or I get fetishized and treated differently as a result of it. Seeing that side of men on a regular basis, how has that, I guess, shaped your outlook with men in general or has it not? It really hasn't changed my view on, on men, honestly. It's changed my view, I guess, on how women are treated by men. The men that you, sometimes you think are very respectful when they're in there, they're not and they treat women like their property. But that doesn't change how I view myself. This job doesn't take away my value. It just changes the dynamic of the dating world. Men have always been the same. It's just a matter of like, when you see it on a constant basis, you're just much more aware of like the red flags. You see the tells in someone's behavior that you kind of pick up over time. You're like, okay, so when I'm out in the real world and not in here, I kind of notice these little things. April, is this where we start to talk about profiles on apps? Yes. You know me, though. Before I talk about what to write and how to speak, there's a couple of cleanup items that are important for you, Jen. First and foremost, I don't love the labels we give ourselves. We have to understand that we are women. So you are a woman who works, who has a child. Because I would guess, Jen, that when you say single mom, that doesn't make you feel strong and empowered in the dating space. 
No, I feel strong and empowered. It's just a matter of finding the right kind of people who are accepting of the time restraints and the ability to not be so free as one with more time. I'm pretty confident in who I am and where I'm at in life and my status, so to speak, in life. I just struggle to find someone, I guess, who's accepting of that and who won't really treat me differently as a result. I guess my frustration in all of it is the fact that I do see how much I can add to someone's life, regardless of my job or being a mother or not. I'm pretty confident. I know what I have to offer. I want to be able to share these moments with someone. And it's really hard for me with just hearing those things in the beginning. People are just like, nope. Okay, I got you. We got you. I have so much advice to share with you that I think it's going to feel like flipping on a light switch. And when you hear this back, you're going to hear what the root issue is, and it's going to help you. So when I asked you about the single mom title and if it was empowering in the dating space, I kind of felt like you were going to say, no, I feel really good about myself. Because the one thing that comes across is your level-headedness, your confidence, you're so grounded, you know who you are. What's happening is with all of your responsibility, and I'm not a mom, but Anna is, and she understands the responsibility of having a child and children you don't need to pile on some stranger on a dating app what he wants or what he's expecting or what he likes. You're an accommodator as well. And you're filling your time and your brain with too many thoughts of how you can make this palatable, easy for these guys online, how to make it, and I'm using your words, seem fun. That's not your job, Jen. What is her job? Her job on and offline is to just be real. You know, when you say, I don't want to make it seem clinical or I'm trying to make it look light and fun, when everything about you to me feels so grounded, like you are like salt of the earth and even your dancing job is all a means to an end. Like you said it, you show up, you don't drink, you don't like socialize, you get in and you get out. You're even willing to get on a plane and go do it because you know you could make great money there and come back and feed your child. Right. The fact that you're so independent that, and you're so proud of your independence that you moved your kid and you didn't know anybody and you didn't have a support system and you did it anyway. And I think, you know, when we're online, we have to tell the truth, but not the story. And I'll explain. There's a woman I'm coaching right now who's had a really hard time attracting the right kind of guy online. And she always feels like you, that she has to accommodate or make everything nice for everybody else. And all I did was tell her to write exactly what it was that she wanted and who she is. And she immediately, within a week, attracted this guy. And it's going really well. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it was literally, that's what I mean. It's like a light switch. So you can turn this around. Your values are hard work, family, sacrifice. I see your traits as being really organized, Jen, and level-headed and practical. And you're also a vision person, right? Do you normally see big picture? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I can kind of see things as a whole before things kind of play out in a sense. Yeah, you should do that. This is fun. I did that Strength Finders if anybody knows about this, it's a really fun, cool thing to do. It actually has nothing to do with your dating life per se, but it reminds you what your strengths are. And whatever our strengths are, that's what we need to put out into the world so that the right guy can find us. 
Right. So when you look at all those qualities, and of course you have your humor and your curiosity, but we need to put those traits in your profile. And instead of trying to make your life look like, oh, it's easy and I just need to plan it, stop that. What we're looking for is not somebody who's accepting of your life and your schedule. We're looking for a guy that's already this guy. Right. He's already a guy that needs to plan, right? That likes to kind of plan in advance and have a vision and he's grounded and he's not fly by the night and he's not looking for a good time. Right. This is a casting issue, Anna. I love it. Right? So why don't we, instead of like, figuring out how to please everybody, why don't we make the casting very, very specific to what we want so that we attract these traits, not the person that will accept the life? So why not say things directly to this guy? You know, you are someone who is grounded. You love your schedule. You love family. You know hard work. You know sacrifice, right? So that you're speaking into his listening. And then you say, I'm a hardworking, level-headed compassionate woman with a lot of curiosity. I'm funny, confident. I'm loyal. I have a beautiful son. I work hard. And put that on your dating app so that that way you're attracting the person who's reading that who isn't looking for this easy breezy thing. Because whether a guy has a kid or not, anybody who has any kind of need for schedule and control over his life because he's got responsibilities is going to understand not just guys who have kids or want kids, right? Right. It's somebody who appreciates that lifestyle to begin with. Make sense? Yeah, that makes total sense. What's funny though, too, is that I was just talking to my friend actually, who's a musician out in California about this very topic. He was even mentioning to me, he said, usually people that are understanding of that environment are usually like either musicians or they're in the film industry that they understand to an extent. The way people are treated in that environment, what you go through, I guess the lifestyle in general, and also having to travel for work, things like that. Not always being as accessible as most people would like you to be. But my thing with that too is I'm like, how do I find people that are maybe in that world that would be able to understand me traveling for work? Yeah, it's not the career. I'm not in that world And I understand because I have a business and I have responsibilities and a husband and aging parents and clients that need me. So I get it. Right. But even before I had my business, I still understood that because it's who I am as a human, which is why I landed in this business. So don't think in terms of what kind of career. Oh, yeah, of course. Think in terms of character. And your, your character is really, really strong, I believe. Don't you, Anna? I really like what you were saying about how Jen can sort of describe who she is and how that would appeal to the right kind of guy. A guy who's, you know, he's looking for those kinds of things. So how you feel about something is important to share. Your story about your child, about your work does not need to be shared in a public forum. Right. That's private. And so when you get fetishized, is that the word? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> or you get the guy that runs away. That tells you that we're putting something that is private, something that you don't even love, out as an advertisement in a public arena. Let's pull that out and not discuss that at all until you've had three dates with someone in person and you feel like there's a vibe and there's some layer of trust there and communication. And you say, by the way, part of what I've done to feed my child and survive is this. And I do this as a means to an end. 
And if you have somebody who is open-minded, not somebody who goes to exotic dancing places, but somebody who's open-minded, who understands sacrifice, who understands things in a different way, who's because he's more open-minded, will go, oh, cool. Like, I get it. Even if it's unfamiliar to him, he might think, all right, like I'm kind of an entrepreneur in my own brain. So you're never going to want to say it to a guy in a text or in a profile or even on the phone. He does not need to know. He's not deserving of this information. Okay. April, when you talked about single mom identity, it made me think about my own experience and how I was so worried that when I first had Jack, that I was going to be put into a mom category in Hollywood and that would be my main identifier. But I've thought about the mom identity a lot. And how we see ourselves, you know? Yeah, I think you articulated that beautifully, Anna. Thanks. I think if we redefine motherhood with family values and nurturing and creator, like you have a baby, you have a child, you are a creator, you are a really good manager, you know? So I was talking to this woman that might be working with me soon, and she told me that even during COVID, her kids and remote learning, her teenagers are getting straight A's. And that's not something I've heard a lot from mothers recently in this last year. And I said to her, I bet you're an amazing manager. The fact that your kids are still afloat, they're not depressed, they're actually doing good in school is amazing. So maybe if we took motherhood and tied it to traits, right? oh, I'm a creator, I'm a manager, I am a producer, I am a nurturer, I am a family-oriented person, I have to be organized to be a mother. Because also motherhood is a personal choice. People think, well, you need to accept me as a mother instead of saying, I want to find people who love the fact that I have this added layer to my career or my personality of motherhood that makes me that much better as an actress or as a friend or as a dating partner because I have these new elements that somebody who's never had a kid, who's never had to think of anybody besides themselves has had. So I look at it as a yes and not as a whole picture. Right. Jen, what would like your dream job be? Honestly, I just want to help people. Like I generally just want to help in some way. So for me, physical therapy assistant is what I'm going for. I'm going to enroll from school in the fall, but I just want to help make a change in some sort of way, slightly, or in someone's personal life. That's why, you know, right now, due to the pandemic, I lost my job. So I became a nanny and I love helping people. I love knowing that I'm able to help someone else get along further in their life in some sort of way. What a beautiful quality. Thank you. I honestly just think that as a result of me having to go through my own struggles, because I don't have any extended family whatsoever. It's literally just my parents in my life. So I've always been and very much family oriented and I love being around people and I love having that connection. So I want to be able to use that to my ability the best I can in some way. I love that. April, should Jen express this somehow or just put it on a, like a list for herself? I also just can't get past imagining that the apps are just kind of depressing. Jen said earlier that she doesn't have a list, and I think you need one. And here's why. Most of the time I tell people, ditch your list. It's keeping you single. <laughs> but for you, Jen, because you have, and you just told us that you have this built-in need to help people and to make their life better, right? Even with you going for your PT degree, that's healing, right? That's healing and improving and mentorship and all kinds of stuff. So you do need a list. You just need an important list, right? It's not so much about how you describe yourself. It's how you describe the person you're looking for when you're on a dating app. 
Because a lot of guys gloss over what you say or the stories that you write. They go right to the photos and they go right to what are you saying about them, (laughs) right? Right. Because the dating apps do breed a little bit of, it's about me, narcissism, right? And they're built for speed. And the only thing, Jen, that's different today than 10 years ago is the technology has advanced even more and there's more people loaded up on these dating apps. But the thing about a dating app is they're not depressing so much on it if you think about them as just the knock at the door. They're not supposed to be... Healing. Yeah, they're not supposed to be... Affirmative. (laughs) (laughs) They're not supposed to be anything more than what they are, which is just, you know, you got to imagine them. They're like a subway train and you're standing outside the subway train and occasionally people get on and they get off. Like you just have to look at it that way. It's what you do with when you finally get someone's eyes or if they say hello. People put way too much importance on the app itself and not thinking about it as simply a vehicle to get you from point A to point B. But if you speak to the guy that you're looking for, all of your worries are going to go away, but you cannot, and I'm going to repeat this, you cannot have your mentor, I'm going to make your life better, I'm going to improve you, I'm going to support you mentality in your dating life. Right. Because that's when you attract a low-grade guy that ends up not liking you once he's developed. Once you've given him purpose, love, attention, helped him with his career, whatever. Do it with your kid. Yeah. Do it with your clients. Don't do it with the men you date unless you're married to them. I don't have the time for that, so. <laughs> yeah, you don't have time. You already have a kid. Yeah. So I would say you are looking for that guy who has a compassionate heart. Somebody who, I love the word support for you in your dating profile. That needs to go like number one. Literally speak to him. You are somebody who is family oriented. You have a supportive personality. You know how to work hard. You're organized and you're thoughtful and you love being around people and collaborating, right? Right. I see you, Jen, as a woman who's not going to be the pretty girl under a guy's arm. I see you being the shoulder to shoulder, really strong partner. The fact that you're going back, you're single, you don't have a lot of support system. You don't have anybody else's money to help you, but you're going back to school. You need to change your circumstances, which you are. And so we want to applaud you and love up on you for doing all that you're doing because it's a lot. And if you feel judged by people about the career or the dancing or even being a mom, we have to embrace things more. And then therefore we're never judged. We can only feel judged when we don't like the story ourselves. Right. So the sooner you can get out of the dancing, the better, because I don't think you like it. You're not passionate about it. It's not part of who you are. So why tell perfect strangers about something that's not even going to be probably in your life, probably the next six months going forward even? I really do struggle with that environment now, which is why I couldn't do it here. I realize I'm too emotionally mature to be in an environment like that and still subject myself to it. That's not an emotionally healthy environment for me. I want to work in sports medicine, you know, essentially, which is what I'm, I'm going for. But I'm just starting out, you know, as a 34-year-old woman going back to school down to the basics. So I'm not going back with already a degree or anything. I'm going back to the beginning. I have to be able to do my prerequisites for a year and then I'll be able to actually do the program next spring and then it'll be another two years. So it's like, I can't really keep dancing. It's emotionally something that I just, I don't want to. It's something I kind of have to until I find something, especially because all the programs here are only during the day. I have to schedule that with school. Like I have to, we'll have to pick myself from school. 
you know, it's all those factors. So life is just a whole lot right now. Yeah. Can I offer something for a second? Yeah. Do what we've said about your dating profile. And I've said this before on the show, only check it twice a week for 10 to 15 minutes per time. Okay. Because you got too much going on. Outside of that, I would love for you to forget about trying to find this guy right now. Because as Anna said, there's a lot going on. And the more you feel like dating is a second job, something else you have to do, the harder it's going to be for you. I feel like you're evolving and you're building and you're leveling up literally on every level and old things are dying. It's why you cry when you're dancing. That person who could dance and turn off her body, brain, and spirit is no longer alive. Right. You have become someone new. So allow yourself to go through this transition because it's really important when we're dating that we don't attract someone in the chaos or confusion of our lives. Because what happens is once we're out of the dark cave, we might have attracted the wrong partner. Right. And then you're dealing with, now I'm a PT, now I'm this, but I've attracted a guy from my old self, from my lonely self, from my chaotic self, from my emotional self, as opposed to I attracted somebody because I was, hey, I was going to PT school and I had this cool job. Your confidence level is going to be different. Your awareness, you know, you're leveling up. So the guy you're looking for now isn't the guy you were looking for even a year ago or five years ago. It's a different person. Right. I guess I feel like even with dating, like there's never really going to be a quote unquote perfect time, especially in my position. Well, Jen, don't forget you are in a particularly chaotic time of your life. You moved from kind of chaos. You brought some chaos still with you because it's impossible to not. You are just in this place in life right now where the goals that you want to achieve, you're on your way to doing it, but you recognize it'll take a couple of years. And you're still a little bit in the grind that you had back in Texas because that's just kind of where the circumstances are. I want you to have a little bit of time doing things that you love to do. Whatever makes you happy, like I do think in your generosity and your caretaking tendencies that maybe you haven't been able to find like your sense of identity. I think early on when we were talking to you, your self-identifiers were single mom and then exotic dancer. And I want you to remember that we don't have to be boxed in by any of those things. I know that you know that. But I do think finding the things about this area, this new place that do give you joy is a great place to start finding your roots. And I like April's advice. I do think you should have a list. And I do think checking the dating apps twice a week, part of you may be more eager for a relationship than the other part of you is ready for. But you have plenty of time. You have the rest of your life. And I worry that because you haven't found this yet, that it's building to an additional weight on you when you already have a bit. Right. I think honestly, it definitely is part of it. I'm 34. I want more kids and I want to give my son siblings and he really wants them as well. So I don't feel pressure to find someone right now, but I'm aware of my clock. And also it's a matter of like, I was an actual dancer before I became an exotic dancer. So that was my original dream was to become a professional dancer. 
And I listened to the people in my life that told me I couldn't do it or I wouldn't be able to, that it was a stupid dream or whatever. And so I didn't pursue that. So I'm trying to find a way to get back to that. And we'll just put my tap shoes on and just like practice tap dancing. Jen, what about like reaching out to a community center and teaching kids tap, like offering a tap lesson once a week or something like that? I wonder if that would be really fulfilling for you. Because I do think through the avenues that we find joy can only open up other doors, whether it makes us happier in a place where we can be more receptive to love or whether through a dance class you meet, you know, some cute dad. I was actually going to mention the family that I work for. There's a church that's like down the road that I was going to my son with. I just thought, well, maybe if I go there and talk to people, if I could at least get in contact with somebody to see when they're opening back up again and try to like just introduce myself and kind of put myself out there. I think that's a brilliant idea. So yeah, I feel like that's something that maybe, like you said, kind of do like a community class kind of thing. So I'm in a place where I'm like, I'm trying to find a way to make these things happen. And I'm trying to use that as a tool to also meet people and branch out. But it's really difficult because I have to pay for my time for when my child is taken care of. I don't have someone who could just watch him for however much time I need to go do these things. I don't want my son to feel like he's in any way ever been a burden in my life. So that was why I was like, no, I'm going to go do this. I'm terrified to do it, but I'm going to go do it. I'm going to see how this works, how it happens. Yeah. So I feel like it's kind of been the driving force to get myself to a place to where I can be like, okay, this is me. This is who I am. I'm happy with who I am. I want to share it with somebody and I want to learn about somebody else and, and create great family dynamic for myself and myself. I've been trying lately because I was thinking how like I want Jack to think about his childhood. And I was thinking I have a dear friend back in Washington State where I grew up who laughs all the time. She has the best laugh and she laughs all the time. And she has like three kids. It's always chaos. But somehow, oh, even as she's like squawking at them or whatever, she'll be laughing. And so I was like, I want Jack to remember me as a mom who laughed at the inconveniences in life, the frustration in life. I want him to know me as like mommy laughs. She may be like insane, but she laughs a lot. April talks a bit about location, because when we talk to callers who are in the dating world, oftentimes they will blame a location like Los Angeles. Specifically, we get a few of those. And April, you've kind of opened my eyes a little bit to the idea that it's not location. And I think, Jen, maybe you moved to start over, to have a new community, to have a new beginning, in a sense, to provide different opportunities. And you've kind of found yourself maybe just like the same level of life satisfaction, whatever that may be, as you had back in Texas. So I like the idea a lot of you being able to take your son to classes that you teach can't imagine that it solves all your financial issues at all, but at least it's a way for you to be doing something that you love. And it's a great start to meeting your new close friends as well in your community. I love that this last year has turned everything virtual. There's a woman that I know who was a former Nike fitness trainer, and she does this thing called the Groove Method. And so she has facilitated a training program for women to literally have their own businesses, work from home. And it's so relaxed and easy. And I think people just Venmo the money. And so you're at home. Yeah. And even your kid could be like walking in front of the Zoom camera and it doesn't matter, right? Because that's the cool thing that's been acceptable during this last crazy year. 
And you get to charge more when you're doing virtual classes than when you do even live classes, which then you have to pay the studio and you end up making nothing. My hope for you is that you get into this feeling of receiving because I think what you need the most more than anything right now, more than even a guy, is support, like a supportive network. And finding two or three friends right where you are in town that are doing something that you really admire and love. And maybe they are also working. Maybe they also have a child. But you're like, damn, these women are amazing. Like, you need to collaborate with those women and maybe share in ideas and concepts and maybe even like help each other with the kids. Because what do they say? You are the product of the people you spend time with. Right. So it's also time to find your new job, the thing that makes you money, the thing that gives you real value. Whatever you make money at should come from, hey, I feel value from this because I get to be 100% of who I am. I think you want a need and crave significance in your life, right? Like you want to be a part of something. So just put your intention there. Don't muddy the waters with so much of, and I have to find a guy. Right. When you build community and you build the life you like and the job that you like, and you're trying to kind of like, oh my gosh, like how do I pay the bills? The guy walks in every time. He walks either online or in person. Even if you're at the grocery store with your son, you're still visible. A lot of people think that they've got to go date. And then how do I date if I have to pay for a sitter and then it's going to cost me money? No. When you're at the park, you're visible. I have a friend that's going through a divorce right now. He's got two little ones. And every time he's at the park with the kids and he calls me, I'm like, you know, women are watching you right now. You don't think it, but they're actually viewing you with your kids. Like they're noticing you. So there's a way to date in this way without having to pay so much for sitters and having to figure all this out. There's plenty of time to meet somebody. Your biological clock, even though it's ticking, a lot of women are having children well into their 30s. I have so many clients that found love at 40 and had two kids. So I have so many examples of more mature pregnancies and finally finding their partner at 35, 38, 40, and beyond, beyond. You might meet somebody, Jen, who's got another kid around the same age as yours. So this idea of I want more kids could actually be satisfied by coming into contact with somebody who has children that maybe they don't have a support role in their mother figure, or you're in a beautiful addition. I've seen that happen as well. So be more open in how you're going to receive more children, how you're going to receive some kind of support. Get into the, how am I going to build my community, build some great friendships with women I admire, trust, and respect who are supportive and flexible, and I admire them, and they're hardworking, and they're mothers, and they're visionaries, and they care about people. Surround yourself there first. The community of your women starts the trek of every single guy you meet. People don't think this, but it starts there. Right. I met Michael, my fiance, when I was 40. I had Jack and Michael had two kids and now Jack has two older siblings and we all have, you know, the best time together. They're also, they're really protective of Jack, which I love. And I remember being a little worried at the beginning and it, it took a little effort to let down walls because you're being protective of yourself and your child. But there's something nice about getting older and recognizing, knowing what you want in life and in a partner. And I think it does start with being comfortable with who you are. Yeah, I think the worst thing you can do right now 
is do anything where you have to protect yourself. I'm listening to you and I'm hearing this struggle and the sadness. Maybe it wasn't bad for you two years ago, three years ago, five years ago, but it's so bad for you that that in itself should propel you to get off this call with us and Dig deep into what you can do locally right there where you are to make good money. There's a lot of people hiring. And even if it's something where I know you don't want to be behind a desk, but remember, it doesn't have to be forever. It could be something that you're assisting somebody remotely as a VA. Like it doesn't matter. The world is open to you right now. And there are more people looking to hire right now than ever before. And they're having a hard time finding it because so many people are on unemployment. Get this fixed first. Do not go back to that, Jen. I'm telling you because I think it's going to hurt you and it's going to impact your dating life. Not because guys can't handle it or they won't accept it, because you don't accept it. And if you don't accept it, we can't either. Right. I 100% agree. And I'm trying to figure out how to, to find another job to where I'm not taking away from my time with my son, but I'm also able to provide enough money to where I can pursue my dreams still and not hinder that as well. It's, it's difficult. And also with, with Anna said about the community of women, I've joined several Facebook groups as well in several areas around. So I can kind of like get my feet in the door and be like introducing myself to say, hey, I'm new here. I just need to meet people. And I would like to meet fellow moms and try to make friends. And it's hard to do that because people have their own lives. They have their own schedules. They have their own things going on. Yeah. I think we are going to be coming out of this hibernation that we've been in. Give this a few months. Keep at it. It's discouraging, I'm sure, but you're going to find a good job that you can raise your child. And I love the idea of you teaching dance something you can, you know, give to your child as well. Or training. Yeah. You know, a lot of people moved their gyms to their garage during this last year. Like you could be training. Ooh, what about, wait, is it too weird to suggest strip classes? No, I actually, I'm so glad you said that. I've thought about that, but I'm like, how do I target these women that maybe want to do that for their husbands or whatever, that want to learn how to do it? Yeah, I love this idea. I know. You put some flyers out, Jen, at like the cute, cool local coffee shops and you say, Hey, ladies, do you want to learn how to spice up your marriage or your relationship? I'm going to teach you virtually my three signature steps that I learned from years of being an exotic dancer. Email me here. And then you're going to charge per class and you're going to charge a good amount of money for this. And even if it's just five to eight people in the class, so worth it. You're not paying for childcare. You're not paying for a plane ticket. You're doing it right there. And this is how you're going to build, save, get back on track and help people at the same time. And maybe you'll save someone's marriage. Right. Yes. I would love to learn how to market myself like that, where I could help women become more one with themselves centrally so that they can kind of be a little open for themselves and for their partners. Like, So what you do when you, when you want to start your own business is you figure out who your target market is. Your target market is married women, mm-hmm. people who work from home because, you know, they're sitting their butt in a chair all day and like, we're just not feeling ourselves from the neck down anymore. 
and single moms who aren't feeling loved up on and they're tired and they're exhausted and they just want to feel sexy again. Like Anna was saying earlier, sometimes when you become a mom, you feel like you lose some of that or you lose some of your own identity. That's your target market. So you could go to like daycare places and coffee shops and like the laundromat, like wherever these women are, put up flyers and you've got like a consistent, steady flow of women. And once you fill a class, you start another one on Wednesday and then another one on Sunday and you're doing it all from home. I love this. This is a great plan. And I love what April suggested, how you want to present like, ladies, do you want to spice up your marriage or however you want to format it? Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jen. Hey, thank you, Jen, so much. April, I love you. Love you. I love you, Jen. Yes, thank you so much, April. Bye, Hannah. You're so welcome. Bye, Jen. Bye, guys. Bye. It was a few weeks ago that we talked with Jen, and she just sent us a letter that I want to read. She writes, I want to thank you so much for giving me such great, honest feedback and advice. Since talking with you about my starting a business as an exotic dance instructor, it kind of validated an idea I had prior to you mentioning it. I wasn't sure of myself, but after that call, I had so many realizations and exciting ideas. I'm going to be incorporating body positivity, self-love, meditation, and how to avoid toxic behaviors that affect women and their confidence or self-image. I think it all ties in together, and I'm so excited to get creative again. Thank you so much for everything. Thank you, Jen. I just love this, and we love talking with you. Please, please keep in touch and let us know how it's going. And thank you, dear listeners. I so appreciate you, and I love the wonderful community we're building together. 